You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. He said, boy, I'll tell you, I could stay and be with you, but to go be with the Lord would be so much better. But because I love you, I'll stick around for a while. But boy, I really want to be with you. Paul knew. You kill this glove. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill your glove, the body, but they can't kill the soul. Fear him who can take both this and your soul and cast them into hellfire. Then he said, indeed, fear him. In your walk with Jesus, do you ever spend time contemplating heaven? We all know where we're headed because of God's perfect grace, but do we really live life seeking after His promises? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to transform your life with the Lord, you need to remain steadfast in His promise of heaven. You'll never get to the closeness that you desire without fixating your gaze on what's above. Be a powerful agent of change for the gospel. Well, Let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, as he continues his message, The Bondwoman and the Free Woman. Ishmael was produced in the energy of the flesh and man's will. It's easy to birth an Ishmael. Guess what? Our churches are full of them. There are whole churches that are Ishmaels. They weren't birthed out of the will of God. They are birthed out of the strength of the flesh. Presumption. I want a church. Only problem is when you create an Ishmael by the strength of the flesh, you got to keep Ishmael alive by the strength of the flesh. And you've got to keep him going at the strength of the flesh. And when it's an Ishmael, he never ultimately brings glory to God. And he doesn't help you much either. Our churches are full of them. How many of you, now I'll tell you first, I've done it. I've had some Ishmaels. What about you? The rest of you, hang on. You'll do one sooner or later. No, I'm not going to speak that over you. You may not. But our churches are full of Ishmael's, things that, that, that we decided we wanted, and we made them happen, and God's just in the background somewhere, and he didn't really birth it. Now, the birth of the second son, Isaac, was supernatural. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90. That's supernatural. Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and God wrought the miracle. Isaac was born of faith and was the child of promise. And that's what you want in your life. You want Isaacs and not Ishmaels. You want what faith produces, not what your flesh produces. You, you, want, you want that which is going to propel you toward your goal and your vision, not that which is gonna hinder you and drag you back. Now, the apostle brings the allegory to its main point. Let's look at what it was. Verses 24 to 25, he says, which things are in allegory? So he uses the word himself. For these two women are the two covenants. That's what they stood for. That's the metaphor. These two women, Hagar and Sarah, are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to or compares to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. For Paul, Hagar represents legalism, the flesh, the will of man, 
Not faith, not God, not victory, but defeat and flesh and man's will. That which is born and empowered of the flesh is what Hagar represents. Because Sarah said, Abraham, go to Hagar, go into her tent and produce a child because God has clearly forgotten us. He said, yes, ma'am. What he did. Here comes Ishmael. And Hagar symbolizes Mount Sinai, where the Mosaic covenant was given. And the writer of Hebrews, I want you to notice how the writer of Hebrews describes Mount Sinai and the giving of the law. It's really something. It's scary. Hebrews 12, 18, he says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that may be burned with fire. And to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. So that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. It terrified them compared to Jesus of whom it was said, the common people heard him gladly. But here at Mount Sinai, at the giving of the law, God said, if you come any closer, you're going to die on the spot. Don't come any closer. And there was thundering and lightning and God's thunderous voice. And it was terrifying. And the people were afraid. And they said, Moses, you go talk to him. We don't want to talk to him. He scares us. So the whole scene of Mount Sinai and the giving of the law was somber and frightening and intimidating. It seems like these that give the God of the Old Testament his negative reputation. Oh, I don't believe in that Old Testament God. I believe in the God of the New Testament. My dear one, they're both the same. They're both the same. They're not two gods, one in the old and one in the new. You just have two different aspects of the same God. In the Old Testament, you see the holiness of God. In the New Testament, you see the love of God. But they're the same God. And I'll tell you, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And the God of the New is the God of the Old. And that same God is the God that's going to judge the nations at the end of time and is judging nations right now. On the other hand, Paul views Sarah as representing the new covenant, the covenant of grace. He summarizes it in one word, emancipation, freedom from slavery. He relates it not to Mount Sinai, but to Mount Zion and to the heavenly Jerusalem. He says in verses 26 and 27, now y'all do know, remember when we went through the book of Revelation, there is a new Jerusalem in heaven right now awaiting to be adorned uh, by God and waiting to receive the saints of God into her borders. That new Jerusalem is going to be lowered down to the earth one day, but it's in glory right now. The new Jerusalem. The architecture is finished. The building is complete. You can read about it in Revelations. And he says here, speaking of that Jerusalem, he says, that Jerusalem up there is free. And it's the mother of us all. For it is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. <clears throat> For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. When we accept Christ, we are delivered from the power of darkness and are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now notice, you were delivered not just from darkness, but from its power. I'm going to say that again. 
You were not just delivered from spiritual darkness, but from its power, its enslavement, its influence. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but you're under grace. You see? So we were translated into the kingdom and into the power of the kingdom of God's dear son. Hence, God's children are free as the new Jerusalem above is free. I want y'all to say with me, I'm free. free. Not your neighbor and look at him and say, I'm free. free. Now, some of you are just thinking to yourself, I just told a lie because I'm battling some things. But you know the way God sees you? You're free. You know what else you are? You're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're already there. You're free indeed. So we are translated in the kingdom of God's dear son. Hence, God's children are free. The Lord now reigns in the heavenly Jerusalem, which is also mentioned in Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. Here's what and where you live as far as God's concerned. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And what's there? An innumerable company of angels. He goes on, and the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered, whose names are in the book of life. That's you. And as far as God's concerned, you're already there in the city. To God, the judge of all, and who else is there? To the spirits of just men made perfect. Notice he says spirits. Anybody in here have a glove? Just, I know that's a weird request. If it fits, then you must acquit. No, let me see. Here we go. Now, I want to do something real quick, just so that, because I get asked this question a lot. Interesting. That'll do. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute. The Bible, look what he says. What is in the New Jerusalem? Uh, The spirits of just men made perfect. Not the bodies, but the spirits. Now, you are like this glove with the hand in it. The glove represents the body. The hand represents the soul, which is eternal. Now, here's what people ask me at funerals all the time, because they want to know about their loved one. They say, are they in heaven? Or are they just in soul sleep somewhere? And they're not going to be in heaven until that day when Jesus comes back. Or where are they, Pastor Jeff? Now, let me show you how it works. As long as the, the soul is in the glove, it's animated, it moves, it has a life. Okay, it's, it's, it's a living thing. It, it has motion, it's alive. But the day will come when that person, their body dies, the glove dies. Now, when the glove dies, Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Well, what did he mean? He meant that when a Christian dies, the glove is what is in that casket. The glove is what is in that ground. The, the, the glove is buried. But I always hear this at funerals. People look in that casket and they go, it's beautiful, but they're not there. That's not them. And you know why they say that? Because it's not. Because here's what happened. The minute they, their, their glove, the body died, the soul immediately went up into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
it immediately goes up into the presence of the Lord and we bury the glove. But the Bible says, behold, we shall not all sleep the glove in the casket, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump. The dead in Christ, the glove will rise first. And we who are alive and remain, should we be fortunate enough to be there for the rapture, will be caught up together, watch this, with them. Hey there, it's been a while since I saw you. Hey, how are you doing? I don't know. <clears throat> and so shall we ever be in the new Jerusalem with the Lord. So is there soul sleep? No. Is there purgatory? Creation of the Catholic church, medieval Catholic church, not biblical. All that happens is the glove goes in the ground, the soul goes up. When Jesus returns, the glove comes out and receives a glorified body. Jesus is gonna give you what curves could never give you. A glorified body. You're not gonna to to worry about losing weight or being fit. You're gonna walk through a door without opening it and then eat. You're gonna have a body like his. So is that clear to everybody? So, so when you do bury that loved one, you, you really only bury the glove. They're already with the Lord, fellowshipping with the Lord, and they wouldn't come back if they could. That's why Paul said, absence from the body, in the grave, present with the Lord. And he said, boy, I'll tell you, I could stay and be with you, but to go be with the Lord would be so much better. But because I love you, I'll stick around for a while, but boy, I really want to be with him. Paul knew, you kill this glove, Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill your glove, the body, but they can't kill the soul. Fear him who can take both this and your soul and cast them into hellfire. Then he said, indeed, fear him. Thank you. This glove's anointed now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that good? So we are not as those. We are not as those who have no hope. Amen. Now look who else is there. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling, this speaks way better things than that of Abel. Now summarizing, in Galatians, Paul sees a parallel between the freedom that we have in Christ and the birth of Isaac, the son of the free woman, just as Hagar symbolically represented Mount Sinai, so Sarah, the free woman, represents Mount Zion, where all of the redeemed ultimately will come into the full blessing of the Messianic New Covenant. Now, closing out the chapter, Paul delivers four quick stabbing statements to drive home his point. Let's look at them quickly, and then we're going to close. First, say with me, there is the outlook. Now, we brethren, he says in verse 28, chapter 4 of Galatians, now, we brethren... As Isaac was, we are children of promise. That's the outlook. That'll be your outlook and mine. We are a child of promise. 
How was Isaac born? Answer me. By faith. How are we born again? How was Isaac formed in Sarah's womb? And how is Christ formed in our hearts? You bet. Same way. Did the law have anything to do with Isaac's birth? None. Did the law have anything to do with our rebirth? None. The gospel did it. Now next, Paul addresses the outrage. First the outlook, now the outrage. Verse 29, but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, everybody say with me, so it is now. Now here's a principle that is cross-cultural, cross time and space, and it's true at all times and in many different ways. Here it is. If you've got something in your life that's born of the flesh, it's always gonna persecute what is born of the spirit. There ain't no room in the same house for the flesh and the spirit. I use ain't on purpose. Catch this now, because here's what happened. The household jealousy between Ishmael and Isaac was intense. For 13 years, Ishmael had enjoyed Abraham's full attention and love. Come here, son. Come here, little buddy. Let's go out hunting. Let's go fishing. Let's, you're my buddy. You're my son. Think about it. It gets me. He loved that boy. 13 years until the child of faith was born. Abraham was very honest and told us, I'd have been happy if God would have let Ishmael be the one. He even prayed, let Ishmael suffice. And God said, nope, he's not the child of faith. Child of faith will come through Sarah. So then came Isaac. Ishmael began to mock the child of faith. Bottom line, the flesh and the spirit can't live peacefully in the same house. Ishmael began to see Isaac, or began to see Isaac and then Abraham paying attention to him. And they were thrilled because this was indeed a child of faith, a miraculous birth. And all the attention switched from Ishmael to Isaac. And if you've got kids, you know what that does. You can't show favoritism. If you do, you're stupid. Because you'll have trouble in your house. Even if you like one of them better, don't say it. Because he began to resent him. And so then he began to mock him. Ishmael began to mock Isaac and persecute him and slap him around. Because remember, he's 13. This is a little baby. So when Ishmael was, you know, 16, 17, and here's Isaac, four and five years old, he was treating him badly and roughing him up and resenting him and hating him. And finally, Sarah said to Abraham, the same woman who told him, go in there and be with Hagar, that same woman said, get rid of that boy. He's got to go. And that's hard. But I'm going to tell you something, church. There are times you've got to take a work of the flesh in your life. And you've got to be ruthless with it. And you've got to say, you've got to go. An addiction something that is constantly persecuting the work of God in your life. It persecutes the work of God in your life. It drags it down. It, it, it's against it. The flesh against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. 
Paul talked about the conflict. Whatever the Ishmael is, if it's possible, and more times than not it is, and I'm not telling you to be mean to a person, especially never to a child, but I'm just saying, I'm talking figuratively now, a work of the flesh. My experience has been when Jesus came into my heart, he immediately declared war on all the works of the flesh in my life. And I knew there's some things I'm going to have to kick out of the house. Are y'all with me? There are some things I'm going to have to kick out of the house. Now, lest I'm misunderstood and, and, and you're married and you think you made an Ishmael move, we're in a whole different arena there. Don't you dare walk out here and say, Pastor Jeff told me to kick you out. Don't you do it. I want to be clear here. I don't want to be blamed. I don't want to be misinterpreted. But you know what the Ishmaels are. A lot of times they, they, they are carryover from your past. They are what was hatched before you even knew the Lord. What was born before you even knew the Lord. Sometimes once you know the Lord, you... You, you do some things, you open some doors and you birth an Ishmael and, and more times than not, it's doable to choose the spirit over the flesh and say, so you gotta get out of the house. House being me. Paul says, so it is even now. Having pointed out the outlook and the outrage, Paul points to the outlaw. Nevertheless, he says in verse 30, what does the scripture say? Read it with me, everybody cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. When Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac, she demanded the immediate expulsion of Hagar and her son. And it's a heartbreaking thing to read. She goes out in the desert. She thinks they're going to die out there. They don't have any water. She falls in Is it true? Do we not now see the Islamic world demanding everyone come under Sharia law and everyone submit to Islam and they feel like that is their God-given call and if you don't, you should be killed, he'll be a wild man. Every hand will be against him and his hand against every man. That's what God said. Personalities. Is it true? Do we not now see the Islamic world demanding everyone come under Sharia law and everyone submit to Islam and they feel like that is their God-given call and if you don't, you should be killed, he'll be a wild man. Every hand will be against him and his hand against every man. That's what God said. God says, cast out the works of the flesh, remove the Ishmaels, for the works of the flesh will always mock, resist, and hinder the work of the Spirit. And then finally, Paul gives the outcome. And we'll close with this. Verse 31. So then, brethren, let's read this together. It's good news. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Amen. This could not be clearer. Paul has laid out an illustration that cannot be forgotten, especially by these Jews in Galatia. They knew all this, these stories. We are either of Hagar or of Sarah. We are of Mount Sinai or Mount Zion, of the flesh or of the spirit. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The Galatian church likely sat in stunned silence as Paul's searching letter was read in their midst. It was starting 
to get through. You have worries that you can never seem to get past. Are there fears that you've let consume you because you've never been able to overcome them? In today's message, Pastor Jeff taught us that if you put your trust in God, you have nothing to fear. He is sovereign over all, the beginning and the end. Don't keep letting the things of this world get to you and cause panic and fear in your life. Be willing to let God save you through His grace. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. The most important thing in our walk with Christ is one word, love. In his next message, Pastor Jeff illustrates that God has always loved you. But in order to get closer to Him, you need to let go of the things that you know He wants you to move on from. To follow Jesus is to experience the purest form of love. While this will always remain true, to encounter Him to the fullest, you need to act on what you know He wants you to do. Let His love wash you white as snow. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Galatians, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.